You are now listening to the Hunter's Advantage Podcast. We preserve the history and sport of hunting through curious conversation and action-packed hunts, as well as offering you tips and strategy for more successful hunts. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Hunters Advantage Podcast. This is episode number 128. I am your host, Christian Babcock, on a solo episode today. Jake and I had some plans to record two or three different hunt talk episodes, the one that you guys probably like the most on the podcast where we talk about actual hunting trips that we've done recently. But you know how life goes. It's hard to get together sometimes, especially with work and the sun going down at 6 o'clock. So... Anyways, it's going to be a solo episode for me today, and what I'm going to be talking about is this last part of the season, how I stay motivated, do I think there's even a real chance of people harvesting bucks with all the pressure that's been accumulated through all the gun seasons and all the bow seasons and all the deer that have been harvested this season. So we're going to talk about that, and I've also got some questions that we're going to field from the audience and we'll answer some of those and then wrap it up. So be on the lookout for those hunt talk episodes. I just shot a really awesome, uh, wide 19 inch wide seven point in Oklahoma to be tagged out in Oklahoma this season with my bow. And that video is out right now, but we're going to talk about that on a hunt talk episode. Jake is still after a really big buck in Oklahoma um, so we're going to talk about that, his hunt during Thanksgiving for that buck on the next episode. So we got a lot of things uh, coming up for you guys, but I wanted to save them for when Jake and I are together because I feel like those are always the best conversations and I'll just do this one solo. So a couple of housekeeping items. You guys may have heard it in the last podcast, but Hunter's Advantage is officially partnered up with Out on a Limb manufacturing that is a partnership um actually the first uh, partner that we went after they have just been uh super loyal to us over the last few years really supportive of our content and what we're trying to do with the hunter's advantage and i've been really supportive of them as well they're an oklahoma-based company they make uh saddles hunting platforms tree stands climbing sticks. Uh, I think they actually won best of show at the ATA show with their Shakar climbing sticks a few years back. Um, but man, I can't say enough about Chase and Matt at out on a limb. They are just good folks. Um, Matt actually has his personal cell phone number on the website. He gets texts from customers all the time. If you're ever with him, he always gets calls from customers asking about this. What's your availability of this platform? When can you ship me one of these out? And he answers the phone pretty much every single time. If you ever have an issue with a product, you can text him and they warranty everything. If you ever have an issue, which rarely ever happens. Um, but this partnership is the first official partner for Hunter's Advantage. We plan on bringing on a few other folks to support the podcast and the YouTube and the content that we're making. But man, um, we're super happy to be partnered with that on a limb. They're local. Everything's made in America. Great customer service. Uh, they just, they have some great products. It's been powering us on public land for years. You know, I've killed multiple deer out of their platforms and uh, use their shikar sticks all across the country. They have never let me down. Uh, so anyways, I'm not going to go too much more into that, but 
Thank you to Out on a Limb for sponsoring the podcast and sponsoring Hunter's Advantage and welcome as an official partner. If you guys want to support them or just go check out some saddle hunting stuff, some tree stands, climbing sticks, trail cam mounts, all that stuff, make sure to use code HNTA10 for at checkout for 10% off. Once again, that is code HNTA10 at Out on a Limb mfg.com for 10% off. So let's talk about this last bit of the season, man. I have found myself falling into a bad pattern, uh, in mid December. And what I mean by that is in a lot of ways, it feels like season's over and it's not. And that's not just cause I'm tagged out in Oklahoma and in Kansas it's because the season has, it's been another long season. We started in the middle part of September. It seems like the season's been going on for six months. And once you get past that, that, you know, the best part of the season, you know, you work through September and October and everything's kind of building to a fever pitch. It's all building up to this one climaxing moment in November when everything goes haywire. Um, it just seems like after that, season feels like it's almost over. So one of the things that I've been doing lately that I really particularly don't like is, you know, if you're anything like me, you talk to your hunting buddies pretty much every day, whether it's about the future hunt or a hunt that you're going to do this evening or uh, something that already happened. We just love talking about hunting. It doesn't matter if it's the middle part of the summer or middle part of the season or dead, dead winter. We just love talking about it. And what I've noticed on some of the conversations that I've had with hunting buddies over the last, um, the last few days is I've been using the term next season. Well, next year, well, next season, we should do this different to the lease next season. We should hunt here differently next season. we should plan our rut trip a week later. And I think it's really easy to get into that mindset when the heart, when the best part of the year has already passed and the worst part of the year is going to prolong for another month. One thing I would challenge everyone that still wants to get a white tail down this year to do is stay locked in. It's not over. That's what I'm titling this episode is it's not over yet. The season is not over. And despite all of the accumulated pressure that has happened through the muzzleloader season, the firearm season, a really long archery season, um, the youth hunts, all these things, it's not over. There are deer still around to be killed, and it's even possible to get on a mature buck at this time of the year. One of the things that I th- I find really interesting is the rut actually isn't my favorite time to hunt during the year. I prefer the pre-rut because the bucks are displaying a lot more daylight movement and activity but they're not as unpredictable as they are in the rut. You know, you might have a buck come from two or three miles away and run right by you in bow range in the middle part of the rut, or your target buck that you've watched all early season might run along someone else two or three miles away from the property. That's one of the things that I really dislike about the rut. So when I think about this late part of the season, let's call it mid-December into February, because some places like Ohio end up going and hunting until February in Oklahoma, where I hunt for the most part, it's January 15th is when it closes. This is still a good time 
to shoot a mature buck. And one of the beautiful things about this late season pattern is these deer start to become more predictable. If you look at a lot of the mature bucks during the rutting period, a lot of them almost rut themselves to death. So you're looking at deer that, you know, maybe were 40 pounds heavier three weeks ago because they have deprioritized food so much that their body has just taken a massive toll on it. Well, there's only a couple things. And I think this actually transcends deer. It probably works for most species, but there's a couple things that a man is slave to. One is a woman. So those deer are slave to their, their sexual nature of wanting to mate with does and continue their bloodline. That's just naturally what they want to do. That is ingrained and wired at them. The other thing that they are a slave to is their stomach. And this last part of the season is a fantastic time to get back on almost like an early season pattern. Of course, the weather is going to be extremely different, whereas you're fight battling very hot temperatures in the early part of the season when those deer are hitting food. It's a lot of that, in a lot of ways, it is very similar to the late season, except the weather is different. So those deer are going to be back on those food sources, whether that's cut beans or or cut corn or, or winter wheat or a corn pile, depending on where you're hunting and if that's legal, those deer are going to be going back to those feed sources. Now, one of the things that I would say is, is different is you have to account for that these deer have been hunted hard for the last three and a half months or three months or two and a half months, where depending on when your season opens, and they're not going to be as forgiving as they might have been in that pre-rut or rut stage. You know, they have succumbed to a lot of the pressure of the season. You know, they're sent all over the place or there's neighbors that have, that have been hunting hard for the last two weeks or month as, as the rifle season has been going in a lot of these places. So these deer are going to be a lot less uh, tolerant of intrusion. And so for me, one of the things that I like to do in this part of the year is wait until I can get some confirmation that a mature deer is using the place that I want to hunt to go in. So since I know that these deer are hypersensitive to all the intrusion and the scent and uh, the access, because you know they know they've been hunted for the last three and a half months, I try to wait until I have confirmation that a big deer or a mature deer exists in the place that I want to hunt. So for me, that looks like, hey, I have feeders, I have corn up in a lot of places, and I have cell cameras. So this is one of the ways that I will leverage cell cameras to say, hey, I'm not going to put intrusion on my property because everybody's been trampling through the woods for the last month hunting. I don't want to. I want my place to be that place where when everyone else is trampling through, my place becomes a sanctuary, a haven uh, for these deer, especially these mature deer. So that's what I try to do. I try to stay out of the places that I want to hunt especially when other people are going hard. And I think that could pay off for people in the last part or the last few weeks of the season. Um, me and Jake were actually talking about it yesterday. One of the places that he hunts pretty hard, he's been seeing mature deer. Um, he put some, he's been hunting. He's basically been hunting himself out. I mean, he's been hunting so many times throughout November and October and even this early part of December 
that it's kind of burnt out a little bit. And one of the things that we kind of discussed was, hey, put your food source up, put your put your feeder or your corn out and your cell camera and don't put intrusion on the property and wait till one of those deer gives you an indication that they're either daylighting or, or in the area and then go on it with the right wind direction. Because this late part of the season can be extremely brutal um, from weather. You can still utilize those weather fronts, you know, when big swings in temperature or big swings in pressure. You can still, will still get deer up on their feet in the late part uh, or earlier during daylight. So everything is true. This is, in a lot of ways, this is early season, but it's cold and the deer are more pressured. So I take that into account. Um, I'm going back to those big feed sources. So for us in um, Oklahoma, where we hunt quite a bit, that's winter wheat or that's hunting over corn. And uh, that's that would be my strategy this part of the year. I just killed a deer on De- uh, December 4th, you know, past it's past rut um, on a place that we had just left alone for a month. You know, we kept food in there and left it alone. And, and here comes, I had four bucks on me within 10 minutes of being in the stand. So this late last part of the season can be grueling. It can be cold. Not only are the deer ran down and trying to build up back more body weight and resilience to survive the winter. In a lot of ways, we're wore down as hunters. You know, we've maxed out the vacation. We have, um, maybe put some relationships on hold to go chase deer, especially if you have one that's special or you're hunting a, maybe a draw state this year, you can be ran down. I know I have felt that, uh, I have felt that really bad. I've only hunted on private land three times this entire year, three sits. And I had put over 45 sits on public this year. So in the middle part of the, of November this year, I felt like I had already been hunting for six months. So I understand, and it's harder and harder to get out and harder to justify it to yourself when it's cold and you know that uh, these deer have been pressured extremely hard. But I'm telling you guys, it's not over yet. I've seen some of the bigger deer uh, over the last re- the last few years get killed, sometimes even at, into January. So I would just token you guys that don't give up yet. If you're on a big buck, if you're on a mature deer, if you know there's one in the area around or still alive, stay on them. They're going to be a slave to their stomach. And if you have uh, that place that you can maybe play it a little more safe and go in when the temperature is right or the pressure is right, or you have some sort of confirmation that that deer is where you can hunt him, that's what I would be doing. So I'm not a late season expert, but... I think it's pretty much common sense on on how these deer start to act post rut and what their priorities are. It goes from mating to food and you can use that to harvest a deer in this last part of the season. And once again, before we get into the Q and a, it's not over yet. I hope you guys are having a good season. Get out there and shoot that one last buck that you're going after for the season and then maybe call it quits and have a good Christmas. But you know what the best Christmas present ever is? is shooting a big buck and being inside when it's ultra cold in January. But anyway, stay after it guys. And we're going to switch over to the Q and a segment of the show. So we have three questions and then 
we will let you guys run and we'll drop a hunt talk episode in a few days for you guys to hear about some of our more recent hunts. But question number one comes from get more game recovery. We actually had um, him on the podcast. Chad's an awesome dude from Michigan, um, but we had him on the podcast talking about how to increase increase your deer recovery through using tracking dogs. So we appreciate the question. He says the slippery slope of technology, how was hunting changed over the years with technology? What technology crosses the line or is there a line? Chad, you opened up a massive can of worms. This question right here, if depending on who you ask, could go one of two ways. It could go from technology is the best thing ever in hunting. It is making us better and more efficient and more ethical. Or you could go the opposite way with it and say technology is ruining hunting in a lot of ways. I think there is a line. I think that is a line that we are toting right now. And one that we have to be very, um, very careful not to cross over. And we have to kind of hope that, the people in charge of these regulations have our best interest in mind. But some of the ways that hunting has changed over the years with technology, man, the biggest one that I can think about is trail cameras. And I'm not even talking about uh, cellular cellular cameras, even though that they have changed the game quite a bit. Uh, just the ability to, to disseminate information and know, have that most recent information when you're going into a hunt is extremely valuable. I know growing up, you know, I shot my first deer in... 2006 yeah 2006 so 14 years ago no 16 years ago wow time flies um yeah i shot my first deer 16 years ago man it was a completely different world you know when we wanted to hunt it was like hey i've hunted here before i shot a buck here five years ago with a rifle let's go check it out and see what can happen there wasn't any trail cameras there wasn't any anyone that had any idea of what was going on there, unless you were uh, maybe a cattle guy and you had fed and, and saw some deer grazing around or running around. So the advent of the trail camera has changed hunting. I think for the better, I think it allows a lot of people to uh, see what's actually using their property, which makes passing uh, younger age class deer a lot easier. And the same thing with cell cameras. But it, that's a very slippery slope. You know, you could say, well, well, Onyx has allowed people to go deeper and deeper into public land and has uh, intruded upon places that people would never be uh, man enough to go in before. And to that, I would say you're right. You're totally right. Um, I think one of the one of the negatives of technology and hunting is it makes everything a little bit more convenient, which allows you to be more picky and choosy on when you go and it can quickly turn into just a killing contest. You know, it's, I sit at home, I wait till I get the perfect buck that I want for the year to daylight on my trail camera. I load up, I go shoot him on the next morning with the correct wind direction and I go home. And that's a very shallow version of what hunting should be. And I found myself losing a little bit of the joy um, of hunting private land because of cell cameras, because it's like, I can look at patterns of these animals and it's not guaranteed because nothing in hunting is guaranteed, but man, I am as, as confident as I ever have been going into these hunts because of cell cameras, 
because I have the most recent information at all times and I know what bucks are using this property and how they're using it. So it's a good thing and a bad thing, but just like anything, it just comes down to stewardship, comes down to individual freedom of how people choose to use the technology that is at their fingertips. Um, so if you want to use cell cams to hunt less, you can, you can most definitely do that. That's not my motive. My motive with cell cameras would be to hunt more efficiently, you know, maybe because I, I want to hunt every single day that I possibly can whenever I can. And that's never going to change with technology. And if you're a true outdoorsman or a woodsman, you love hunting for hunting and these things just make it more efficient. And for me, that would look like, Hey, I was going to go hunt the lease in Oklahoma this year or this weekend. Uh, I haven't really been seeing much on it. Let's go hunt Missouri this weekend. Let's just do some public. Or if we drew out for Kansas instead, let's go hunt Kansas this weekend. It's never going to keep me out of the woods. I think what it does for a lot of folks is probably keeps them out of the woods. And they use that information to, you know, hunt more efficiently. And for some people that might be hunting less. So I just think that's a question that, uh, you could really get down a rabbit hole with, and I probably already have on this one, but I think we're toting the line of technology crossing over, um, into something, something bad. But I think in its current state, everything can be used as good. And it's up to each individual outdoorsman to, to decide how they want to utilize that stuff. And for me, it just makes me more efficient. It makes me have more enjoyable hunts for the most part, except for patterning these deer, maybe even a little bit too much. Um, and that's one of the reasons that I like to hunt private and public land. You know, I like to hunt places where you can't use technology as much and then hunt places where you could use as much as you want. And that is always kind of that mix, that yin and that yang has always kind of kept me grounded in my hunting experience because I've been able to, um, have a completely unpredictable hunt and then have a very predictable hunt back on private. And, you know, depending on how big of a beating I'm taking on public, that predictability on private can be pretty awesome sometime. And technology enables a better experience for me on, um, in hunting. So just take that with a grain of salt. Um, you know, you might be one of those folks that hates digital maps. You hate trail cameras and that's, Hey, more power to you. You know, you reserve the right to hunt the way that you want to, whenever you want to, however you want to within the bounds of the law. So I hope that answers your question. So HuntWorks says he is a repeat offender on the podcast questions. He says, I know a guy dot, 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 not me, but I know one whose standards are at an all time low. If you're unsuccessful, does your standards change during late season? That's a, that's a really good question. And I think each person is different on this one. But for me, on public, I hate to admit this, but I feel I feel like the audience deserves to know this. On public land, my standards definitely change as the year goes on. Um, man, I wish I had Jake on here to talk about this. But at the beginning of the year when we went into Kansas, we knew it was a draw state and we knew we probably wouldn't be able to hunt it for a couple of years. So one of the things that we did in Kansas was we like, we were like, Hey, I want to shoot something that nets Pope and young with my bow in Kansas. So that's the 125 net, you know, just to be safe for us. That was, Hey, 
I want to shoot 135 inch deer. That was, that was our goal. And we held very steadfast to that goal. And in the beginning, early parts of the season, Jake passed a Pope and young buck. No doubt this deer is mid to high one twenties. And I also passed probably a mid one twenties buck in Kansas. Well, that ended up being a mistake. And to be honest with you, you hear that old adage, adage all the time of never pass up on the first. Would you be happy with on the last? And that came back to bite me in the butt because I would have been very happy. Both of us would have been very happy with those bucks that were 120 inch bucks. Those are awesome deer. I will shoot those all day long. But in the later part of the season, I settled for probably an 80 inch deer. You know what a lot of people would call a dink. And I'm in here hunting the state that is considered one of the best, probably a top five state for sizable deer. And I shot an 80 inch deer. Well, why was that? You can ask yourself. Well, the reason that I did that was because it was one of the last two days of the trip. I paid $600 for a tag. I had hunted in Kansas. I think altogether I had hunted up there like probably 20 days and had had some great hunting, had learned a ton. And I decided, you know what? The best part, best way to cap off this Kansas experience is I want to shoot a buck. And so I had a buck come in on the ground. I was hiding behind a rock in a telephone pole and I shot the buck. And the moral of this, that story is that absolutely my standards changed. I, the, the, at the end of the day, inches mean something. And I'm glad that deer have horns and I'm glad that we even measure horns because it's cool to measure and it's cool. That stuff's awesome. But my satisfaction with the deer somewhat has to be with the experience and that was an awesome experience for me and to many people they they would probably say I'd, well, I'd rather eat tag soup you know i'd rather eat tag soup than not take that deer home than take that deer home to which i would say if if the only way that you measure your success or your satisfaction with deer is inches then you have a very shallow version of what hunting is and i find myself getting wrapped up in that sometimes but to answer your question, of course, my standards go down. I'm not going to shoot a buck for the sake of shooting a buck. But man, if it's an awesome opportunity and an experience or something new or in a new place, absolutely, my standards will slowly shrink down and down and down. The later it goes in the season, the later or the lower that that deer, uh, the smaller that deer has to be to, to satisfy me, not so much in Oklahoma, but in, in, in states that were, uh, you know, out of state hunting. Absolutely. It does. And then the other side to that is the private land side of it. Do my standards change on private land as the year goes on? No, they don't. And that's because for better or for worse, I feel, I feel more, um, I feel more tied to the private land and more responsible, directly responsible for the management of the property and the overall age structure of the herd. So we have fairly strict management goals on our lease properties. You know, we don't shoot deer that are less than five and a half. That's just one of the goals that is, um, we have me and Peyton have on our lease, me and Drew have on one lease, um, and all the folks around us that have the same standards. So, um, just because just for the sake of killing something, lowering my standards on private, I won't do it. Uh, you know, and this is also me speaking from, 
uh, kind of speaking from a higher position because I haven't been put in that position in the last few years. I've been extremely fortunate on the encounters that I have. I've tagged out in Oklahoma three years in a row, two bucks each year. And so, and every single one of them went on the wall. So they were all great deer to me. So I haven't been put in that position, but I'd like to think that I wouldn't compromise on my standards on private land because if I can get those deer through the late part of the rifle season and into the new year, the likelihood of me getting to hunt them again, the next year is pretty high. So that's what I would say. Um, man, take one. I'll take one from the OKS hunter here too. uh, shoot. What makes you happy? If you want to shoot a, a decent one, hunt works. I would, I mean, why not? You've hunted this entire season. Um, maybe that looks like shooting doe. I wouldn't shoot a buck just for the sake of shooting a buck, but man, it feels, uh, feels good to shoot an arrow, the mystical flight of the arrow. We just had chicken fried backstrap with our new neighbors. Um, a couple days ago, they brought their kid over and, uh, my new buddy Clayton came over and his wife and we ate backstrap. And that was out of the, that was out, out of one of the deer I shot earlier in the season. And I was like, this is awesome. feels good to shoot a deer with an arrow. It feels good to share a meal with people. So absolutely should shoot one, but, to each their own on their standards. Nick, third question, last question of the night, and then we can kind of wrap it up. Nick V seven, seven says shooting tack this coming year, question mark. And also in a hunting slump have grinded and grinded and just can't seem to get it done. Any advice, Nick, I think we've talked before buddy, but, um, yes, are we going to shoot tack this coming year? Absolutely. We, uh, we shot the total archery challenge last or this February this February or March, uh, in Beaver's bend. And man, it was an awesome weekend. We ended up shed hunting half the weekend and shooting tack, uh, the other half the weekend. I think one of my bigger regrets of this last winter was rushing tack and only shooting for one day and one course. I wish we could have stayed the three days and shot, the entire time. I, I really would have liked that, but, um, yeah, I definitely plan on shooting tack again this season. I, we freaking loved it last time. I mean, the only thing I didn't love about tack is probably the hundred dollars were the arrows that I sent into the, the rocks in the mountains and just smashed. Uh, my bow wasn't even completely sighted in when I went into tack, I, I put new arrows on it and changed out my sight tape and, I was like seven yards off on my sight tape. I just rushed it so much, but yeah, we do plan on shooting tack again this year. I'm in a hunting slump and I've grinded and grinded and I just can't seem to get it done. Any advice, man? Um, this one I've been there. One of the funny things about hunting is there's sometimes most of the time, but, but Most of the time there is, but sometimes there isn't a correlation with the amount of effort that you put in and the results that you get out the other end. So it's like, Hey, if I hunt 50 days, I'll kill three bucks. You know, sometimes you kill hunt 50 days and you kill zero. Sometimes you hunt 50 days and you feel like you kill negative because you wound one or you had a, and if I had to give any advice to someone that you know, is, has been grinding it out and grinding it out and just can't seem to get it done. It would be just keep grinding it out, but maybe in a different way. You know, I think the definition of insanity is 
doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Well, maybe something that you're doing isn't working. Um, I know for a lot of folks that hunt in a more traditional way, that could be, hey, I've sat in the same tree stand that I have for the last 15 years. And for some reason, the deer keep the deer are on to me. You know, I can't get in a full draw the the second they step in into the the clear cut, they're looking at me or maybe you're hunting on the wrong, wrong wind directions. Maybe you have a, a bad access to the stand too close to the bedding area. Those are all things to consider. And there's really an infinite realm of possibilities that could be going wrong. And another thing that people hate to acknowledge as deer hunter is sometimes you have bad luck, you know, sometimes your scope housing isn't tight or sometimes you just hit a deer and they're an absolute warrior and they can, they can hold that shot or something like that happens or you drop your range finder or you wear glasses and you can't get uh, a good enough range because it's foggy or, or there's a, a bunch of extraneous circumstances that could be happening. But what I would say to you is the only way that I know to get, to get to where you want to go is to go through it. And maybe go back to just a little less serious place of hunting, you know, just hunting for more primal and enjoyment, you know, like, Hey, I, I, I just enjoy being out here. Or I enjoy hunting. I need to focus on the more positive aspects of it. Cause that's going to be the kind of things that drive you through. Even when it sucks. Yes, we are not in the best part of the season right now. And the hunting can be brutal in the later part of the season, but, that's kind of the whole premise of this episode is that go through it. I mean, it's not over. It's not over yet. So what the advice that I would give to you, Nick would be one, acknowledge that sucks. And two, just keep going through it, but maybe think about uh, what you could do differently in the place that you're hunting. And maybe that would be hunting somewhere completely different just so you can have a, a change of scenery or uh, learn maybe what you're doing wrong. Or sometimes you could just be unlucky. That could be happening too. But regardless, Nick, there's a lot of season left. Stay after it. Uh, I don't know if we'll see you at the Total Archer Challenge next year, depending on where you're going, but hopefully we will. Um, that would be my advice. Keep going. Keep going, brother. You got this. And that's, that pretty much wraps up this episode. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, a couple housekeeping items before we go. We have a new hunt up on YouTube. Um, the, it's called Wide Load, the widest buck I've ever hunted. So it's about the story of that seven point that I got off my Oklahoma lease not too long ago. That's up on YouTube. Go check that out. And uh, just an FYI to you guys, we're going to be creating an entire video version of uh, revamping the whole structure of the podcast, mainly just for video. And that's going to be awesome. So that's going to be hosted on YouTube every single week. If you enjoy watching video versions of the podcast, be looking out for that. Our next episode of hunt talk will be a video version. We're super excited about that and start putting that out on YouTube for you guys. Like I said, go check out the most recent hunt that we just put up on there. Make sure to leave us a five-star rating review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, no matter where you're listening. And guys, don't get discouraged. It's late. It's the last part of the season. But I promised you guys, you can still lay down a mature or a big buck before it's all over. So it's not over yet. And I will catch you guys in the next episode. Bye.
Thank you guys so much for checking out the Hunter's Advantage podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcast, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to the podcast. Thank you guys so much, and we'll see you in the next episode.